Hello, friends. Welcome to episode three of Be the Shark Recovery Podcast. <clears throat> Today, I have the honor of chatting with a very influential Twitter user. He's in the recovery posse world, and uh, for uh, you guys who don't know, uh, it's a hashtag recovery posse uh, that thousands and thousands of people on Twitter use uh, to seek support, advice, uh, fellowship, and uh, uh, just enjoyment with other people that uh, share the same problems. Well, Damon, uh, who is going to be joining us here today, uh, better known as Alcoholic Dad 4, uh, is very influential in that group. Uh, he has thousands of followers. Uh, so he comes to us from Southeast England. Uh, and I'm excited to hear his story. Uh, I hope uh, you are as well. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. All righty. We, uh, we are live, Damon. So, <laughs> so how, how is it in England right now? Uh it's sunny, hot, and quiet. Well, quiet because of the uh, the lockdown. There's not much happening, but there's a lot of people about. Yeah, yeah, um, we're starting myself to myself. Yeah, we're starting to open up here too. So uh, you're seeing more and more people out. So. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of families and <clears throat> beaches, <clears throat> people on bikes. Yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, good. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy you. that uh, you know I've been following you on Twitter, and uh, you you've kind of. Uh, a Twitter legend now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're all you're on there all the time. You got people sending you messages, and it know. does get crazy. Yeah. How often are you? How often do you spend on there? Uh, the mornings are pretty busy. <clears throat> you know, that's um, probably 20, 30 minutes just uploading the, the daily meditations and whatever. And then during the day, whenever I get a chance for a coffee, just you know, five, ten minutes here and there. It's <clears throat> when I first started, it was. Uh, like a, a six eight hours a day but i, I know yeah. it's becoming compulsive yeah so, uh, i've backed away from that but now <clears throat> i used to have to write a lot of my content but now it, it comes to me it's a bit easier and the interactions yeah. are quicker because i start to know people so yeah. relationships and it's much more fluid now so it's nicer yeah it's funny you use the word compulsive because you and me both are addicts you know alcoholics <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's easy to replace one thing with another isn't it yeah. Well, I have to say, if I didn't have Twitter in the early days, uh, I was out of work, looking for a job, trying to get sober, didn't have a sponsor, and the meetings were only uh, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, and I was having to borrow a car to get to meetings. Right. Uh, hitting the recovery posse on, on Twitter for, for hours and hours a day, when the kids were at school, and the, you know, it gave me a routine, it gave me a rhythm, and it, it also gave me some, some good, solid people to connect with who are still around. So yeah, and that's 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 kind of like me. I think uh, when I when I struggle, it's when I get off a routine. Mm. You know, if I keep my day structured and routine, I'm doing this from one thing, jump to another, and I don't have downtime. That's that's when I'm most successful. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, you've been clean over a year, I think, right? Um, yeah. So clean, clean from coke since thirty um, first uh, of January last year, year before last year. That's mm. about sixteen months. 16 months. And uh, my sobriety date's the fifteenth of April, Monday, the fifteenth of April last year. Oh wow! So you just hit you just hit a year. Hit a year and a month. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You, you just, uh, months one to twelve was sort of a, an uphill. Yeah. Month fourteen was tricky. <clears throat> that really? Lockdown and uh, yeah, <clears throat> not being able to. I mean, my my meditations and and uh, <clears throat> I 
and prayers were done an awful lot in the car on the way to work. And where I work, there's a, a lot of scenery to look at. So I was able to get out of my head, connect with some scenery, see the sky and uh, be in my own little bubble in the car. And in lockdown, <clears throat> the first words I, I hear instead of, uh, instead of opening the book and doing some work was, Daddy, I'm hungry. <laughs> so yeah. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So how, how many kids you got? Uh, two. So the uh, older one, he's 16. And uh, younger one, she's 12, going on 20. <laughs> yeah, I've got a... Uh... I got a son, 18, getting ready uh, to turn 19, uh, graduate, graduate waiting this year, and then my daughter is 16. Okay. So, so yeah. similar, you know, to, to what you got. Uh, how how has your kids uh, handled your uh, your addictions, and have you been have you been open and honest with them about it, or? I mean, they saw it. <clears throat> um, I think uh, my son knew probably from the age of about seven or eight, that I was, I was a problem. One of his things, <clears throat> whenever I had a little bit of uh, uh, <clears throat> chemical on a, on a Friday night, <clears throat> he'd always say to me, why are your eyes funny? Why are you breathing funny? Why is that man always coming around on a Friday? You know, and my man came around to, to drop off. And uh, all the lies and the silliness, but now he's 10, 16, and he's out there with other people his age that, you know, smoke weed and do this and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's recognised the patterns and he's asked me a few questions. Never directly, did you use, but <clears throat> more of a more of a recognition and an understanding. Now that I'm clean and sober, I think he knows. He knows. He knows. I know he knows, but it's not something we talk about. Uh, and the little one. I mean, they're both pretty emotionally damaged. <clears throat> yeah. They've uh, they've only just in the last year started getting confidence in talking to me, asking me for things. And <clears throat> before anything that they came towards me with was always a an immediate blame. I had no money, I had no time for them. All I wanted to do was escape, hide and drink or use. Yeah. And could I have or have we got was an immediately, I haven't got the time. <clears throat> Either I, I couldn't perform whatever they wanted to do because I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't, you know, there was always a, a gap between me and the kids. And whenever they asked for something, <clears throat> because I've already spent all the money, it was an immediate anger towards them for their basic needs. So, yeah. All the ones had some pretty cool treatment with some mental health people. They started putting them back together. Uh, and the younger one, I think, I got sober when she was 11, so she's <clears throat> should be 13 at the end of this year. And for her, just having daddy back's been huge. You know, yeah, yeah. Connect and the simple things, you know, like breakfast together. I never ate breakfast for five right. years. Yeah, I, I relate, I relate to that, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're sleeping in till 10 or 11 or 12 in a day. Or, or, or I still am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Locked on. laughs> you wake up, you're still, you know, you're still drunk or high from the night before, and yeah, just looking for another drink. Yeah. The, uh, the worst time in the morning for me was when they had to get up for school, uh, and I had to make sure they didn't see me have my first drink in the morning. So I was making them breakfast, mm-hmm. all sandwiches in their school bags, and uh, you know, a cold one in the fridge. <clears throat> so. Yeah. I was making them a hot drink. It was always a, a swift drink for me. Yep. Yeah, I um, I actually recently just had a, a bad episode. I uh, just last week actually. So I ended up having my first real talk with uh, with with the kids about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it's like what you said. I mean, they know from an early age. They're perceptive. Um, 
and and mine got kicked off last week because I you know I've been doing good um, you know similar similar doing good and I was cleaning out a camper that we have getting ready to go camping and uh, it'd be our first camping trip of the year and as I got into it <laughs> I found a stash a fifth of Jack Daniels that I had hidden last summer yeah. I forgot about it and that was like being a you know a kid at Christmas you know you're finding a surprise <laughs> gift under the tree so uh temptation got the better of me um, but, oh, yeah. uh, but you know you get yeah. back on you know you get back on the wagon and you keep moving forward uh, that, mm -hmm. that, yeah, you just the, the bonus with the kids in the sobriety side of it <clears throat> the uh whenever i go to a meeting uh they can see the before and after yep so whenever <clears throat> whenever i was having a, a bad day at work or bad traffic or any anything to upset my alcoholic head I'd come home <clears throat> to uh, to my little one saying, "Let you know, don't cook, don't worry, go to meeting, go to meeting." And when I got back, she was a, I was much happier. She was much happier. And for me to say thank you to her for seeing my condition and seeing, yeah, my, yeah, that's you. recommending that I go to meeting. And she's been, she's put my uh, my coffee cup and my car keys in my hand and said, "Go." <laughs> wow. And you know that's that's similar to my daughter. They've been, it's almost like they become the parent. Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, they do. That's that's wild. So, um, so uh, I see that uh, you're a big Bill Wilson fan. A lot of people don't know uh, what what a VW mate is. I saw that in your bio. <laughs> so, uh, you tell us what that means. Uh, <clears throat> well. I, I got sober the first time when I said I wasn't sober. I was dry for seven months, <clears throat> four years ago. Wow. A few things happened. The consequences came at me and it got really, really quite, yeah, you know how it is when you're an addict and, a, and an alcoholic. It got Absolutely. very dark. So <clears throat> I packed up the drink. I went to one AA meeting and uh, decided that they were all crazy and I didn't need their help and I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't drink for seven months. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to say I can remember it. I can remember being angry, annoyed. Um, yeah, that's all. I can't remember what happened. I just remember I really didn't feel good for right, right. Oh, many months. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, awful. And then uh, this time around, uh, from from my first drink after that one to, to this sobriety date was three and a half years, I think, about three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's progressive. So I, I came off the cocaine in January. Uh, that was, <clears throat> that was a, a pretty final choice. You know, there wasn't much more I could physically take. It was difficult to, to use it. Uh, nose, <clears throat> throat, ulcers, blister, you name it. It was all pretty, pretty yeah. fucked. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, I'd, uh, that wasn't a choice for me. So I managed to get clean. That took, that took about, about four or five weeks, really, to get out of my system. Uh, so let me ask you this: Was 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 cocaine harder to get out to to get away from than drinking, or which, which was tougher with your? Cocaine was easier to stop because I had no choice in that one—a physical choice okay. <clears throat> of of using it occasionally. Then became <clears throat> I was taking it to numb the pain of the previous use because yeah. the, the the blood and it was yeah. <clears throat> not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, getting away from that one was, was not a choice. I, I physically couldn't take anymore. I'd had enough of, of, not, of not having any money because the, I mean, the habit was costing me. 
three, four hundred pound a week somewhere. Yeah. It's it was horrific, and that was on credit cards and debt and right. <clears throat> but to you know, I knew damn well if I took that that first line of coke that the drinking was going to double or triple. Right. It was that first thing, and it, it was a 50-50 for me. So if I have a drink, I needed coke. If I had coke, I definitely needed a drink. Right. So you know, yeah. Were, yeah, I um, it, it it was weird for me because. I've used Coke, I don't know, six, seven, eight times in my life. Mm. And with my addictive personality, I was always worried that I would become addicted to it. But I never did. I could use Coke one night and not want it again until, you know, it was available again, you know, six months, a year later. I didn't need it the next day, but it was totally You're a lucky different. man. Yeah, it's totally different with, uh, with drinking. I mean, if I take that first drink, um, you know. It's going to be two and it's going to be the whole bottle. Yeah. And then the next morning, it's going to start mm. bright, bright and early. I mean, it, it may be a 4.30 a.m. wake up to go get that shot. Mm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I know you know how that feels. and uh, Exactly. exactly. Uh, and a lot of people don't get that, that it's, it's, it's physically, it's, it's painful physically. And, and, and the only thing that can, can uh, solve that pain is that, that next shot. <laughs> I was the um, the first one was the hardest to drink because I didn't want to do it, <clears throat> but I had to do it. I had no choice. Yeah, you really don't. Yeah, physically needed it. <clears throat> shaking, unfocused, and you know I couldn't I couldn't focus in the morning unless I had at least one. Mm -hmm. And that first one <clears throat> initially it was you know I could probably go twenty minutes, half an hour maybe. Mm -hmm. After that, <clears throat> towards the end, it was. As, as I'd finished the, the first one, I was pouring the next one. Yeah. Yeah, from the minute I woke up, it was, it's on. You know, it's not yeah. this time. Yeah. So do you still, do you still have cravings any? Or are you past that? Not physical cravings, no. But I do, I do miss the social situations occasionally. Yeah. When I work <clears throat> with people that, um, that had private boxes at sports events, mm -hmm. or golf weekends, all of that sort of stuff. And it was it was tricky to do some of the business that we had to do in in that environment with when I first got dry. So I got this job when I was only four weeks sober. So it was you know <clears throat> from from drying out, didn't have a sponsor, straight into this job and uh, off to exhibitions and press wow marketing things and the pressure was there. But uh, my lifesaver was um, alcohol free beer. And you know really? okay at the time don't drink it don't touch it it's evil you'll relapse you'll relapse yeah the uh it for me it took the pressure off me because i didn't have to worry about why am i drinking an orange juice and everyone can see that you know so my head was saying you know, don't don't put yourself in a position where people are going to question why you're not drinking uh -huh. so, what was a bit if you turn turn the label around people can't see it you just swigging a bottle and yeah, there you go. yeah. <clears throat> and my head was just flat then i could cope with life <clears throat> yeah yeah, and fake it till you make it. That definitely worked for me. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of times, if, if you know, if you have something in your hand, nobody will offer you a drink because you already got something in your hand. Exactly. So yeah. you, you know, you could sip on that all night long and probably be safe. Well, I, I noticed even when I was drinking the uh, the alcohol free stuff, I still hit it. I was still drinking it like I wanted to drink. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> and I'd, I'd I'd have four or five bottles of those and I'd go to the bar and buy four or five bottles of alcohol free beer and pound it like it was beer. So did you get, did you feel a rush? Did you get like, did your endorphins get hit or it was just, 
it was the craving without the craving, if that makes sense. So I was craving the next drink, but not actually drinking. It was it was pretty fucked up. That it is it. Place to be. But yeah. because they're not uh, a natural drink, the uh, the chemical hangover from pounding six or eight of those in the night is really unpleasant the next day. Really. It, yeah, it's a chemical migraine. It's bloody awful. I've, <clears throat> I've had it a few times where I've gone to events and uh, been nervous not to drink, had a few of these, mm-hmm. and then it felt like shit. They're awful things. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, my wife has talked about that with me, about, and I've never done that. I've just always, you know, I'll stick to ginger ale or yep. water. <laughs> uh, I, I've never, ta- never had a non-alcoholic beer, and uh, kind of, for that same reason, because I'm worried that if I have that taste, that it's going to just keep progressing until. Yeah, it does. And it's the, it's the situation you're in, you know, the, uh, the conversation, swig the bottle, conversation, and it just becomes a rhythm that you're used to. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, you're in, your sobriety intelligence just switches off. You're back to being in that environment, being the person. It's not something that I'd I'd ever want to go again, but at that time and the situation I was in, you know, early sobriety, new job, it worked. Yeah. I wouldn't it, but it worked. Yeah, that's got to be tough being in early sobriety, you know, going into a new job. I mean, that's a lot of stuff going on right there. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was painful. It was man, painful. That's, that, man, that, whew, that's strong. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it happened. And I was glad to have a job. I lost my previous job through... Um, unreliability through drinking, uh, you know, damaging cars, not turning up for meetings, missing flights, and all that behavior that just... Yeah, I, I, I've been there, I know, I've been there. Uh, I, I luckily, to the grace of God, have, have not lost a job. I've owned the same job almost 20 years, um, but I've done the same things. I've missed meetings, uh, mm. I've, I've damaged cars, um, you know, I've, I've gotten DWIs, um, you know, all those things, missed flights. Uh, I, just, I had one incident where I was at a layover in Baltimore. My, my flight was delayed, and I promised my son I'd be home by 10 o'clock so we could watch a movie. Well, when I get to the terminal after being at the bar all afternoon, I fall and hit my head. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital in Baltimore, and for if you don't know, Baltimore is about a six seven hour drive from where i live mm. so i'm hooked up in uh in the hospital bed and ivs and all this and they're taking care of me and I, you know i text my wife and tell her where i'm at and she's like no just stay there get your help go to detox uh go into therapy there you know just just do it right now mm-hmm. and i said no i promised my son i'd be home at 10 o'clock so next thing you know i'm ripping the iv out of my arm blood squirts everywhere. I run out of the hospital up to the corner, leave all my stuff, my, my company laptop, everything, leave it there at the uh, uh, hospital. And I catch me an Uber ride for seven hours. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he said, so he ended up, we had to negotiate a little bit, but uh, he ended up turning off the, his Uber app, and he just agreed to drive me all the way to North Carolina uh, for fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! But I got home by ten o'clock. I got home before my wife and daughter did from their concert, mm-hmm. um, 
And then, the, then, you know, of course, then I've got to drive back to Baltimore a couple of days later to get all my stuff that I left there. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the stuff that happens when we're, when we're in that mindset and then just story after story that we get ourselves into is just nuts. And, and, and you think about, you know, you're like, why would you ever do that? And I think about it being like childbirth, I guess. I mean, you know, a woman gives birth to a kid and they talk about how painful it is and never going to do it again. The next thing you know, three years later, we're doing it again. <laughs> so. Yeah, classic. <clears throat> Mate, no, I can completely identify that. The <clears throat> number of times I've turned up in the wrong airport once. That was, uh, that was pretty embarrassing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The, wrong, the wrong airport for a flight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mate, we could all spot war stories, but some of the shit that I've done way back then and uh, just now finishing the, um, the step nine amends to some of these people and uh, having to sit with myself that some of the amends I really want to make, I can't because it's old wounds for people and they've moved on. And, you know, since I did the harm to them, I've got better and they've just got used to it. So for me yeah. to go back and say, so, you know, so about the old days. Yeah, so you're obviously, you know, uh, a Bill Wilson fan, so you're obviously big into AA. Yeah. Um, how is that working the steps? In what way? How, how did I work them or how yeah. did I find them? You know, how it, it, is there any steps that's harder than the others? Is there one that you dread the most that you haven't done or have you done them all? No. No, <clears throat> I mean, the, the steps are only as hard as you make them. Uh, most of the most of the, the difficulties people have around the steps is what they've been told the steps are. Uh, the experience I've had with my sponsor is <clears throat> work them, get them done, and you'll feel better. If you've got to work them again, do them again. But my my first, I mean, I haven't had a sponsor for a year yet. Uh, I think the 25th of July I, I found my sponsor. So we're coming up to our first anniversary. Wow. Uh, I mean, step one was a given. You know, there was no way I was gonna, I was gonna walk away from that one. Right. Uh, step two came to believe <clears throat> I was I was given that a uh, hundred days. An event happened in my life that you know I couldn't have ever planned. <clears throat> you know, if, if I tried to orchestrate the event that happened to give me the belief in a higher power, it would take me ten years to organise it. It was just every single coincidence throughout. A three-day period it ended up with with me meeting some people that, that you know put me squarely back together again as a person rather than wow. a fallen addict. <clears throat> That's a, another story. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, step three. Did I believe at the time? No, no, not really. Uh, <clears throat> it was just kneeling down, doing a prayer, and <clears throat> being told that you know you're no longer in control. You've got to hand this over. You. I didn't know what hand over meant. You know, but I just at the time <clears throat> step. Whenever I got to step three in a situation and have to hand it over, my way of handing it over was, was to go back to step one and say, uh, and I wasn't really sure what let it go, let go, all that stuff. <clears throat> Didn't really know what it meant. But I understood that I was powerless mm -hmm. and to fight whatever was going on in my life. I was not going to win. Right. And so I was in that sort of one, two, three loop, one, two, three loop for quite a while. Okay. And then, <clears throat> yeah, the, um, the step four was... Uh, uh, was it the most difficult thing about step four was was worrying about it when I actually did it um, yeah, I took it to my sponsor and he looked at it and said well yeah but you need to consider this aspect of the situation and consider that aspect of the person 
and, and it pretty much, once you start, it writes itself. And I, I think I wrote mine in about three weeks of a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there. And my step five, you know, I heard all of these amazing stories about people that have a revelation and the shining light and the angels singing in right, step. Right, right, yeah. Didn't happen. Did not happen. Okay. My sponsor gave it back to me with a, you know, a, a list of my character defects and shortcomings. And he said, that's who you are. That's who you are. Wow. And it was... Uh, it was quite blunt, you know. We we sat in his kitchen, and uh, he spent the entire time when I read my step five to him cooking. And I, <laughs> I rate, you know, I was pissed off yeah, that this guy right. wasn't sitting down and listening to me and right. my problems. And then, uh, yeah, his his message to me was, you know, your biggest problem is arrogance. And even in your step five, you were arrogant about me. You know, well, that's, a that's a typical drunk, right? We're arrogant, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah yeah, so yeah, I mean, uh, one, two, three, four, five uh, was really, really a door opening progression for me from I need help, I want help, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I did. Simple as that. I listened to a, a hell of a lot of um, AA speakers. I think in my first five months, I went to 31 different AA groups up and down the wow. country. Yeah, and that 1990, no, I did, I wait, I can't even count how many I did. I lost count of. The number of groups of me and meetings I went to, I went to step meetings, discussion meetings, as Bill sees it meetings, online meetings on Skype. And I always, for the first probably three months, always went to sleep with a sobriety podcast to listen to. Always. Yeah. <clears throat> so my, my podcast stats are they're a little bit embarrassing now because they're about um, 400 hours of, of AA sobriety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More compulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Compulsive behavior, that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. So now the steps were, um, uh, if, if people said, <clears throat> what are the steps like? They're, they're, it's all about getting better. It, you know, I didn't fear it. Uh, <clears throat> I think I tried to overanalyze it and understand it, but just get on with it, just do it. And it, it how, worked. How about, you know, when I talk to other people who are working the steps, one of the things I hear the most is they're, they're worried about making amends. To the people yeah, they're tough. Yeah. Well, it depends. It depends on <clears throat> on what you're making an amends for. Were you making an amend? Are you making an amends for all the harm you did to that person and the consequences you caused them, and all of the damage in you know, a future and relevant? It, yeah, that can be a tough one. But <clears throat> if you plan for that, then you're setting yourself up for a task that could become your next relapse. Right. But my step eight list was. Um, my sponsor was quite fair, so I took took the list to him. I did my step eight three times, took the list to him, had a chat about it. <clears throat> he gave me some ideas. So I went away, you know, one person, one harm's not good enough. You know, you hurt right. someone, you've got to think about how you hurt relationships and, and, and all that. So the second time I wrote it, there was much more detail around <clears throat> the, the consequences of what I did. And uh, he made me take out all the words. Uh, I, I wrote them one about a person I'd harmed and the the harm was described as I made him and he sat me there and went, how the hell can you make a grown man do anything? Especially That's a good point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> unless you so, got a gun unless you got a gun to his head. Do you know what I mean? So in my head, you know, I I was some evil, nasty villain that that you know made this guy feel this and, and it didn't happen. In my in all that guilt and shame and so when when I took uh you take responsibility from from the actions that you took 
and you understand the condition you were in when you did it and then <clears throat> apply some of the conditions that those people were in and the relationship between you and that person at that time right you have to get down to the core of where is the harm in in your step eight list and then go and talk to the person and for me i was very lucky everybody i made an amends to uh could see my sobriety could see my improvement and there are still a couple that, that I can't go back and, and make good because those people have got new lives and all of that, yeah. all of that you know, still hurts me now that I can never go back and do that. And I mean, that's, that's part of the humility. You, you fucked up, you did it, you hurt someone and, you know, live with it sort of thing. And that's, that's yeah, the, I, I, yeah, I don't think we can maintain sobriety without humility. I mean, I, that's, that's key. That's one of the biggest things you, you, humility you got to learn it and you got to accept it yeah so that's oof. Hey, have you seen um are you a movie watcher not really no no All i right. can't concentrate that long <laughs> oh, okay i was gonna say there's there's a good movie i just watched the other night um it's on amazon prime mm -hmm. it's called uh, don't worry he can't get far on foot okay and it's a uh, it's a true story about a an american um sketch artist well, he didn't start out as a sketch artist. He, um, he was a big partier uh, in the 80s or 90s, and um, he was in a drunk driving accident and mm. became a paraplegic, and he only could barely move his hands a little bit. Mm. Uh, and he just, he was already drinking hard, and you know, when he became wheelchair-bound, he just drank more and more. Mm. And he finally decided, you know, enough is enough. And in a big part of the, the movie, is about him and his uh his home home group mm -hmm. uh, and working the steps and and doing those things um great movie if you ever get a chance i'll to have a look at that yeah. <clears throat> Sounds cool. yeah it's got joaquin phoenix in it jonah hill it's got some really good actors in it and it, it like i said it's a true story mm -hmm. and uh it, just hearing him and a big part of the movie was him actually making amends for some of his uh, wrong yeah and, and what you just said about you can't make a grown man do anything you know he was going back and, and apologizing to people and they're like what are you apologizing for <laughs> you know and, and we put so much weight and guilt and shame on ourselves yeah that you know sometimes that that's what keeps us in the bottle yeah because we want to numb that pain that guilt that shame when really there is none so you exactly. know we overthink things way too much yeah, I mean, there's uh, the, the conversation with the sponsor about, you know, some of the things that happened between me and another drunk and whatever. And uh, the, the, between uh, the first list and the second list, he, he asked me to, to think about, so that situation happened. How do you think that person would feel if what that the event that occurred was ever told to his mum, his dad, his partner? You know, his part in that is his is equal and as bad as yours, even though you, know, you, you were both participants in it. And uh, that was to break down some of the shame. Because, so you know, I carried a lot of guilt in, in things that happened a long time ago. And only, only after coming through step four and applying some of the um, selfishness from the resentments that you see, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm resenting myself for being weak when I was, when I was drunk. Yeah, yeah in being aggressive when I was drunk and the sponsor was saying to me most drunks are aggressive most drunks do really nasty things when they are drunk yeah yeah so yeah taking the shame out of out of step nine was 
it was massive and it made it made the amends much more uh i wouldn't say practical much more honest rather yeah. than you know this this long-winded explanation of why what how and when it was a case of uh i'm not that person anymore uh, you know we we're both grown adults and you know i need to move on you need to move on what do we need to do to get this done and all but three on my list said fuck it, it's done we're good yeah and it, you know it's it's one of the most things but especially the ones with my mum and dad they they were you know lifetime resentments from the age of 16 right the way through and to go and speak to them and explain it to them and to, to see my dad when when uh, he said to me christ you know, i thought i'd made you an alcoholic and i lived my life worrying about you and i said oh you, can wow. <laughs> you can make someone an alcoholic so i explained to him this is what happens when i drink this is how it works and if I pick up that first drink or drug or whatever it is, you know, I am, I am gone. Right. And he was unconscious and dribbling from the age of 15 when I was taking my uh, high school exams, you know, I, I, I'd pick up whatever I could get and until I was blacked out. And I was, I was quite heavily into solvents and, uh, and aerosol cans and petrol and all of these things, you know, sniffing glue and all of these stuff. Uh, and he was worried sick that I was going to kill myself, you know, blue lips, unconscious in the bedroom. Yeah. yeah that shit and uh yeah that progressed right up until last year when i was 47 and for me to go to him and say it's not your fault it it was that was uh, excuse me swearing but that was fucking magic when that happened it was amazing. no don't you don't, don't have to excuse yourself that that's uh i can't imagine how that felt it was for the pair of us you know i haven't hugged him in probably 20 years and that was one of the first genuine hugs i've had in ever a genuine hug wow it was fucking emotional it was that, good that's awesome man I, that's that's gonna bring tears to my eyes man. <laughs> <laughs> that's strong. But like i said it's it's not something you know if if i've heard so many step nines i'm not going to criticize other people but you know I've, I've heard a bit oh i had to go and like we had to book an appointment we had to do this and we had to do that and that scared the shit out of me i was like oh my god that's so formal that's so processed yeah. and i went down and you know I had three or four things that I knew I had to say to him. And uh, it, the, the step nine is not about me. It's not about me. So I had to get my bit across and yeah. then, then listen. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, the magic happened. Step nine is, is amazing. So is, uh, how's your relationship with him now? Uh, now I have to sit and listen to 40-minute conversations about his tomato plants, <laughs> <laughs> where he's been walking, uh, what seeds he plans to grow next and uh, what he's going to cook for dinner tomorrow. I and mean, we haven't spoken in getting on like 30 years. Yeah. See what you miss. Last what you night on the phone, time. I'd say to him, I need to go. I'm tired. Yeah, exactly. Right. See what you missed <laughs> all those years. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. That is good. That, that's good. That's good. And then, um, so uh, now your, your kids, I know you've mentioned and I've seen it on, cause I've, I've followed you on Twitter for a while and, uh, quite honestly, you've been an inspiration for me. So really? one, for one, Cheers, thank, thank you. Uh, you're very open. You're very honest on there. Um, yeah. you've got good advice for people. You're very supportive. Um, so like I said, I, I, you know, I look for you on a daily basis to see what you're, cool. what you're doing. Uh, that's good to hear, man. Thank you. So, so you. You've touched me and I just want to say thank you for that. And one, oh, and then thanks. the other thing I'd be interested in, and, and we talked about it a little bit earlier was, how you and your kids are now getting along 
And I think I've seen, or you might've mentioned it earlier, but I think I've seen where you, you've had uh, counseling sessions with your, your daughter. And yeah. Uh, with my son. Yeah. Uh, he had quite, um, quite a tricky time at his school with um, <clears throat> emotional reactions. I mean, being the, the, the son of an alcoholic and an aggressive uh, I was never physically violent, but verbally, yeah, Jesus, you know, I could tear that kid down to his skeleton and back. It was, it was nasty. And even if he was just asking me for whatever trivial thing, you know, 12 year old, eight, nine year old, whatever kid he was. And my reaction was volcanic. It was, it was not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I think since, since the year of sobriety, we've, uh, his confidence was shot. Uh, had no ability to to look me in the eye. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, asked me a direct question. There was a lot of uh, childlike manipulation of situations. You know, he he needs something, and he'd start a conversation about my friend said this and my said. And it took a couple of months for me to say, you know, sit down. Right. You know, if you want to ask me something, write it down. Whatever you need, just you know, I'm I'm not drunk today i haven't been drunk for a while but i get where you're coming from <clears throat> and maybe maybe we need to to come closer in a different way uh and it's worked i don't know i don't know what happened or how it happened but i think he's he's gained some respect for me i hope and that's that's the bridge you know the fact that he would always treat me with contempt when i was unconscious or especially the vomiting man my vomiting was legendary you know i could vomit three or four times a night and it was just it was constant it was oh, it was vile yeah uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, <laughs> he couldn't have friends around he couldn't live a normal the dry heaves the dry yeah. heat Ooh, painful All that. yeah so, so I'm his, his friends parents were normal parents you know, yeah they had a drink but they they weren't like me yeah uh, he couldn't have friends round uh, in the garden. He couldn't, you know, there was no normal life for him. Uh, so he spent a lot of time for his socialising out of the house to get away from me. Uh-huh. So that's taken some time for him to come back and, and treat me. Uh, I mean, he calls me dad. That's, that's one thing I'd, I'm grateful for. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be a fuck. How can I put it? I'm not trying to overparent him, if you know what I mean. Right. I can't, right. I can't suddenly become super parent, and <clears throat> he's applying for his college at the minute, and I really wanted to, to push himself and go in for this, uh, you know, challenging course and develop himself and do this. Uh, but I know damn well that his confidence is zero, and uh, he will have to go for a course or, or some education, maybe in a technical aspect or something that's non-academic or, and my concern is he's going to struggle in life. Is that my, is that my, is, did I cause that probably? Um, yeah, but, but don't you think that the fact that you, you're, you're now sober and clean for over a year and, and you're doing the things that you're doing, don't you think that that ultimately is showing him your responsibility and how to, how to be an adult and take yeah. responsibility for yeah. your actions. So maybe you're, maybe you're teaching them something. It's agreed. But the, the, the benefit that I'm seeing with him now is, um, is not so much about his education and his short term future. Cause that's, that will be what it will be. I can't right. change what's going to happen this week, this year. Forget that. Right. 
but my my goal now in the sobriety that I've got and you know I, I intend to continue and improve and grow is the next 30 years of his life yeah that's where I want to be now you know I, yeah. I've taken <clears throat> do, do I judge myself harshly on his past yes of course I do I'm an alcoholic and I feel shame we, we all do yeah it's what we do I mean but, I talk I talked to my kids last week when I told you I had that open and honest conversation with them. I told them I wanted to get myself right so that 20 years from now when they have kids, I can, I can be a good grandfather. There you go. Some of the things That's that I'm missing out as a father, I want to make up for it as a grandfather. Yeah. So, yeah, so now I'm all about <clears throat> security, safety, stability uh-huh. in my life. And when they come to me, I can still be secure, stable, and a parent. You know, if I need to, I can step up the parent, but just not be a prick about it. Like I used yeah, to. right, exactly. Yeah. And what about the daughter? How, how... Yeah, she's she's twelve, so she's um, yeah, she was always the 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 one that had um, way more independence than the boy, way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she spent a lot of time around. Uh, her grandmother, some real solid uh, female relations and, and relationships. Uh, and because because of the way I worked and when she was at school or nursery or whatever, there was always a moment of, of daddy time in there somewhere. And she I've done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, she's the one who's asking me how many days I am, when's my next anniversary, uh, and the number of times she says to me in the week, "You got a meeting tonight, Dad? Have you got a meeting tonight, Dad?" Wow! She's become that's my eight, my sobriety secretary. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, she, you know, that's that's a lot of pressure to put on her, but it's 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 her choice because she she sees how well I am, and she sees my mood and attitude improve after a meeting. Yeah, and she wants to to keep me where I am. I don't want to go back. You know. I've never actually asked her why she does it. I think she she just wants to keep me good. Yeah. That relationship now, when we're not discussing sobriety, I mean, you know, that that's it's not a huge a huge thing in uh, in a relationship, but it's the small things now with her. Like, um, if she wants something, <clears throat> it's something we can do together. Whereas before, it was something I had to do for her, and I resented her for it. Yeah. Because yeah. it interrupted my drinking time. But now it's a case of, uh, yeah, we can do that. Or if we can't do it, why why we can't do it? So, the amount of time I spend doing things with her, listening to her, and being there for her, uh, in, in, I don't know. I I can't judge her feelings, but it must be like having a brand new dad. I don't. That's an assumption. I don't know. Got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. So if she's pushing me to go to meetings. It's because she knows she can put uh, put me in a good mood and then ask me for money. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember. And this, and, and again, this is how much I've followed you on Twitter. I think I remember maybe six months ago that you and her had your first counseling session together. That was my son. Okay, your son. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So we went. Um, there's a thing here called uh, CAMS, which is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. Uh huh. Because of because of the struggles he was having at school, in relationships with teachers, etc. Yeah, they um, they took him in and they assessed him for ADHD and this, that, and the other, uh, which in this in this country is is quite a lengthy process. We don't really have uh, easy or affordable access to professionals. Right, There's a big weight in this for those sorts of things. But because it was driven by 
the school and the education people, it happened very quickly, which right. was a real blessing. Uh, and the guy who was running the session was um, uh, psycho-something psychologist, whatever it was. Right. Uh, he was he was pretty switched on. He was able to spot the the alcoholism in the relationship between me and my son. Uh-huh. And he was really quick on giving us practical advice on um, understanding each other rather than trying to solve the problem. Right. The problem was the relationship and the, and all of the damage and the and the and the hurt from the right. past. And he said, you know, you're never going to get uh, a six-year-old kid back. It's never going to happen. Yeah. He says you've got a 16-year-old kid there who's, you know, distraught, emotional, upset, uh, lacks confidence, lacks self-esteem. And he said, you know, if you two don't start getting closer, then that's where he is. So he actually gave us a, a task of sitting down and watching videos on YouTube for um children and parents with adhd oh. like a 25 minute video and we spent more time talking during that first three or four days after that counseling session and it sort of yeah it, it's it flicked a switch for us mm -hmm. something for us to do together yeah. it was common it switched on guy and unfortunately now he's he's left school so all of that um child support structure disappears for now but yeah. he's, uh, he's got some good friends he's a lot more stable um he's, he's a great he's a young man now so he's growing up quick yeah. he's growing up with with better boundaries uh right. now the right word it's with with a structured home um, yes. yeah Rather than complete chaos and yeah, I mean he he's he's confident when he comes home that it's not going to be a, a drunk dad on the couch or there you go. An angry dad you know yelling at him as soon as he walks in the door. Yeah, yeah. and and the relationship with his mum as well because that was quite poisonous. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, we go. <clears throat> we always got to point the finger and shout at somebody. And we... oh, it's all it's, it's everybody else's fault but ours. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, all the uh, all of the the relationships in the family are starting to improve. Good. Yeah, I'm happy for you. Cheers. And uh, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, willing to open up and talking. It, it's for me. It, it's it's great putting a face to. One <laughs> and for those who are who are listening, when I uh, put this, like I said, this will probably go on later this week. Um, but uh, your Twitter handle is what, Alcoholic Dad. Uh, yeah, Alcoholic Dad Four, I think. Something. Alcoholic Dad Four. So yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. You won't get you won't get too many more followers out of this podcast. <laughs> I've got enough. I you can't know, keep up. Yeah, you're busy. You're a busy man. You're a busy. busy man. Guy. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can get some uh, some people looking uh, at this off of off of your. your yeah, 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 that's a given. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but no, I appreciate your time, and uh, man, it's good to finally meet you. And yeah, man, stay in touch. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's stay. I just got to say, I listened. I listened to your. Um, your first episode, the one you recorded four times and lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, man, you, you you got to me with your, um, that shark thing, keep moving forward, never stop moving or you die. Fuck, man, that's, yeah, that's good. That's good. All of that stuff, and I could I could hear it in you. You, you meant that shit, man. That's... I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I don't have a choice, man. It's either, it's either this or death, right? It's either this or death. <laughs> Yes. And I, I, I'd rather be here for my kids, even though it hasn't always been great for them. Yeah. You know, I, you know I, I'm trying to put the past in the past and 
you know, I, I fucked up uh, last week. I, that was my episode two. If you want to go back and look at, listen to that, but um, mm. it's uh, I'm going to be real and raw and honest about it. And uh, you know, that's Generally. all we can do. Generally. You know? Absolutely. So, again, man, just uh, congratulations on the, the year and a month. Cheers, and, uh, all the, all the growth you've had with your family and your son. I hope it continues. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's touch base again and keep in touch. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Right, you got the details? Yep. Right, to meet you, brother. See right, you, take care, man. See you, All right, see you bud.